Good morning. morning. Welcome to Zion on this 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Before we begin our worship, a few things to share this morning. Uh, First, reminder that newsletter articles are due today, so make sure if you have anything for the newsletter, you get that in today so we can get it out this week. Uh, Also, you'll see in your bulletin, again this week there's an insert uh, for collecting funds to go to the Kentucky Disaster Relief uh, through Thrivent. And just a reminder that Thrivent is matching funds and they're taking care of all processing fees. So any dollar that you give will go directly to ministries there in Eastern Kentucky helping families with the flooding relief. Uh, If you feel called to give, you can put that money in your envelope with the insert there and mark your funds Uh, or you can simply write on the memo of your check that the money is going to go to Kentucky flooding but make checks out to Zion and uh, we will send one donation in together. Also a reminder that Grief Share will resume Wednesday at 6 o'clock. If you know of anyone who might be interested in that ministry please please share the word. Uh, From the first session I've heard very, very good things, that it's a very important and positive ministry, and it's made an impact on those who participated. So please share the word if you know of anyone that that might benefit. I have a couple prayer requests this morning. First, uh, lift up Gene Schmidt in your prayers. Gene is at Marion Hospital, uh, and we're told that her time is near. So I pray for, for Gene in this hour, and for her family. Uh, but I also pray for Cheryl Bellows and Tana Crosley who are having surgery this week. Do we have other prayer requests or other announcements for the congregation? Yeah, Jean? Our son Mike is having surgery tomorrow. Okay, so Mike is having surgery tomorrow? Well, if there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds as we listen to the prelude and prepare for worship.
congregation, please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are happy to sin. mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. O God, mighty and immortal, you know that as fragile creatures surrounded by great dangers, we cannot by ourselves stand upright. Give us strength of mind and body, so that even when we suffer because of human sin, we may rise victorious through your Son, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, 
If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken the word of the Lord. Our psalm today is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 8. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all God's benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. You made known your ways to Moses and your works to the, chil to the children of Israel. Lord, you are full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. A reading from Hebrews. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words make the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking, for if they did not escape, when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once, again, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things. 
so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. The word of the Lord. According to St. Luke. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her immediately, she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. I invite you to be seated, children. I invite you forward. Well, I was thinking if maybe we wanted to get in trouble, we could try a little bit of a science experiment. But we'll just have to pretend because we can't do it. Uh, I have two cups here. Imagine we were to go up to the balcony, right? And we were to drop this glass off the balcony. When it hits the ground, what's it going to do? It's almost certainly going to break, right? It's going to shatter. But here, this plastic cup, if I were to drop it off the balcony, what's it going to do when it hits the ground? It's not going to break, right? It'll probably just bounce and it'll be usable again, right? I was thinking about our reading from the book of Hebrews. And in that reading, it tells us that we have received through Jesus Christ an unshakable kingdom. In other words, we have received something that cannot break, something that cannot shatter like this glass. Rather, it's like this plastic cup. It cannot break. And what he means is that if we were to put our hope, if we were to live for physical things in this world, like having a big house, right, or having a lot of money, or always being healthy, like if we were to put our hope into things of this world, well, all of those things can shatter. They can all break. Houses can fall down, right? We can lose money. All the things of this world are not permanent. They're just temporary. However, he says Jesus Christ is unshakable. Jesus is unbreakable. He's unshatterable, right? That he will always remain, right? And so like this cup, 
cannot be broken. Right? No matter what goes on in your life, as you get older and older, and all the things you're going to experience, it's a reminder that Jesus Christ is unshakable. He's unbreakable for you. And so put your hope in him. Stay close to him and trust in him because he cannot be shaken. So live for Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, you are our unshakable foundation and our one true hope. Help us to live this life for you, putting our trust in you alone. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the book of Hebrews, it's our second reading this morning. The book of Hebrews is a long-form sermon. And it appears that it was a sermon that was written to be read to early Christians who were tempted to return to Judaism, or who otherwise were trying to make following Jesus just a minor part of a Jewish religion. And so Hebrews makes the argument that the Old Testament and the covenants God has made with the people of Israel are actually completed in the person of Jesus. The author of Hebrews makes a clear distinction between the Old Covenant, which was the law, and the New Covenant, which is the gospel. And he says that as people of Jesus, we live in a new kind of reality in which Jesus has done for us all that we need for life and salvation. He says that the law, the old covenant, was incomplete to save us. We could not once and for all receive the forgiveness of sins by making animal sacrifices. We couldn't be forgiven by obeying commandments. We couldn't earn our salvation by modifying our behavior. In fact, he says we couldn't even do those things. We couldn't really modify our behavior or obey commandments because we're sinners with sinful hearts. Instead, he argues that we receive the forgiveness of sins because of what Jesus has done for us. In the Old Testament rituals and the commandments and all that was set out in the Old Testament were pictures of what Jesus was coming to do perfectly and completely for us. And so as we get near to the end of the sermon that is the book of Hebrews, the writer begins giving practical warnings to the people. So in chapter 12, verse 15, he writes, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no bitterness springs up and causes trouble, though through it many may become defiled. It seems that what was going on was that Jewish believers and those considering Christianity were looking in from the outside and saying, That's it? This religion of Jesus actually looks really unimpressive. Right? Judaism has a great temple. Judaism has priests that wear beautiful vestments. Judaism, there's constantly sacrifices going on. The Jews had all kinds of unique obligations and rituals and traditions. It seemed like the Jews had all the makings and trappings of a truly grand religion. And in comparison, Christianity seemed sparse. Where was the grandeur and the glory? Where was the ritual? Where was the sacrifice and the tradition? And this distinction, I think, was even more obvious in the early days of the church. Believers met in their houses. 
And most churches were just small groups, a few dozen meeting together. They read scripture together, someone taught from the scriptures, and then they shared bread and wine together. And it was not by any means elaborate. And so some were tempted to go back to Judaism because as a religion, it seemed more impressive. Right? If you were going to earn your way back to God, it seems like, gosh, you would do all of these things to get there. And so the writer of Hebrews is calling on believers not to fail to obtain the grace of God. In other words, don't think that God's grace is found in some external trapping. Don't get caught up in all that the world values because you're not going to find God's grace there. And that's where our reading this morning comes in. The author is contrasting what seems to be impressive about Judaism that some Christians are tempted by to what truly happens in the life of the Christian. He tells the Christians, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched. And he points out something about Mount Sinai from the Old Testament, from the book of Exodus. He says that in Exodus, when the Israelites received the law from God at Sinai, they were terrified. They knew that God's holiness and God's word was too much for them. And if they got too close to God, that they would die. In the externals and the trappings and the thunder and the lightning of Sinai, what the Israelites found was not comfort. They did not find God, their father, who drew them into their presence. They only found that they were too sinful to be in his presence. In other words, it was not the external display of grandeur and power that saved them. The law that was given to them just reminded them of how sinful they were. The law reminded them of the death that they deserved as sinners. The apparent glory at Sinai only took them so far. It only took them to the awareness of their sins. In our story as Lutherans, it's a similar story to what the reformers like Martin Luther found in the Catholic Church in the 16th century. The grandeur of God was never in question. The medieval church had magnificent cathedrals. It had magnificent ritual, beautiful chanting, and God's holiness was evident anywhere you went. The individual, however, knew that they were too sinful to ever approach God, to ever enter into the transcendent. And so men and women like Luther wondered where they could find a gracious God. Where could they find a loving God? They knew they had a holy God, but where was their loving God? And so all the systems and rules of medieval Catholicism just terrified them because they knew they could never be good enough to live up to it. It was too transcendent for them, too other for them. And so Hebrews is reminding us that all the externals don't save us. The externals don't save us, whether that's rules, whether that's elaborate liturgy, beautiful buildings, the best music, the most capable preachers, the most well-financed treasury. Those things don't save us. In fact, all of those things will simply consume us if we think they are the way to God. We will never live up to those things. We will never find the forgiveness we need in those things. So Hebrews then points us to the reality of what we do have by faith. Because what we do have by faith is better than the externals of mere religion. We're told that we are residents right now, not of Sinai with its thunder and lightning, darkness and gloom, but we're residents 
of Zion. In the Old Testament, Zion is the place of God's peace or God's shalom. Zion is where God meets man in friendship. It's the place where God is present in his gracious glory. It's the place where he invites humanity into his life of mercy and peace. Those early Christians may not have had majestic buildings or all the trappings of respectable religion, but they had something better. They had the God of Zion. And Hebrews gives us this beautiful picture of what Zion looks like for the believer. We're told that as residents of Zion, we are residents of the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We're told that by faith, we join the assembly of the firstborn, the spirits of the righteous made perfect, the angels and the archangels, and we join Christ himself who brings us into the life of God. What, what we have by faith is something more glorious than anything that's visible in this world because what we have is Jesus Christ. We have the one who has perfected our faith, the one who made the complete sacrifice for all of our sins. We have the one who is now the high priest in heaven, who atones for all of our sins, and who invites us into the presence of God. And that's the point of Hebrews. Don't turn back from Jesus. You don't need the rituals, the external trappings, because you'll find that they will never be enough to save your soul. What you need is Jesus. Our worship, frankly, is not always the most impressive thing in this world. Sometimes it can be simple and plain. Sometimes it can almost seem trivial. If a Martian were to visit Earth in order to study religions of the world and to write a report on them, this Martian might come to us Lutherans and say, wow, they're a little bit boring. Right? These people sit and kneel and stand. They say some prayers from a book. They listen to readings from a 2,000-year-old book. They eat little pieces of bread and drink a small amount of wine. That seems really unimpressive. It seems really mundane compared to all the things that we could be doing with our time. But the key is that through what seems unimpressive, God is bringing us to Zion. In this little sanctuary, at this altar, heaven and earth come together. And as we give thanks to God, we join angels and archangels. We join the whole heavenly host. We join with millions and millions in songs of praise to the God of all creation. And God himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, gives himself to us in bread and wine. He makes himself accessible to us because his son has taken on flesh for us. And all of this is greater than the grandeur of the external trappings. All of this is unshakable. Buildings will fall down. Money will get spent and lost. But our faith in Christ will not pass away. And no matter where we are by faith, it's a reality for us that we meet God at Zion. One of the blessings and honors that I have in my vocation is getting to share communion with those in nursing homes and those at the hospital or those who are unable to leave their homes easily. And one of the blessings of those moments is the reality that the full presence of God is given to us no matter where we are. Whether that's at a kitchen table, whether that's at you know, a little hospital bed table, wherever it is, there God is fully because God brings Zion to us. And it may not seem impressive to the world, 
but we of faith ought to know otherwise because we know that we are part of a kingdom that will not be shaken. And it's not a visible kingdom. It's not the external trappings. It's not the grandeur that the world may value. It's the person of Jesus Christ. He is our unshakable kingdom. Amen. Stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God.
pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, grant us repentant faith to strive to enter ever more deeply into your blessings of forgiveness, life, and salvation. By the witness of your saints, gather many from the very corners of this world to enter your unshakable kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Eternal Lord, you have founded your church and promised that she will remain forever. Bolster her confidence in your word and guide her pastors and paths of righteousness that she would declare your glory among all nations. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, Heavenly Father, you have called parents to bring up their children in your fear and love. Sanctify and sustain them through your word that they would lovingly discipline their children and so show forth your divine care for your baptized children. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, grant wisdom, integrity, and skill to our President Joseph, the Congress of the U.S., our Governor Richard Michael, and all of those in authority, that in the exercise of their lawful duties, justice would be maintained, the innocent defended, wickedness restrained, liberty upheld, and consciences respected. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you chasten those whom you love. Teach your fatherly love to those enduring the afflictions of this life, for all things come from your hand. Guard, we ask, Tom, Donita, Ray, Mike, Amanda, Marilyn, Mike, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Nancy, Jean, Tana, and all of those who suffer in body and soul, and bring them through their trials into your grace. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, we give you thanks for all the saints who have gone before us. Grant that we would die to ourselves and enter with Christ into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to join with all the angels in festal gathering, and to be numbered with the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven perfected by Christ and abiding forever in his new creation. Lord, in your mercy. To you, O Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, honor, worship, and praise, now and even to the end of all the ages. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way that all may know your care and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death in the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending indeed holy almighty and merciful god you are most holy and great is the majesty of your glory you so love the world that you gave your only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life we give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will and to accomplish all things for our salvation in the night in which he was betrayed our lord jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with the heavenly blessing of grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin may be formed to live as your holy people and be given our inheritance with all of your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
invitation. Please stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.
peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks.